Brothers and sisters, while we remain standing, we're going to read the word that becomes the basis of our sermon today from John 15, verse 1 to 11. Verse 1 to 11. Here is the word of God. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Please be seated. The word of the Lord. Have you heard a story of a guy who owns an apple tree in his backyard? Each year, the apple tree obviously grows apples, but when the apples mature, they are very dry, wrinkled, and browned, and they taste pretty bad. Now, after several years, this guy decided that he had to fix the apple tree because his neighbor also owns uh, an apple tree with healthy apples juicy, red, and so on, and he always has the bragging rights. So he just so disappointed with his apple tree, and one day he decided, I've got to do something to fix this tree. So one afternoon, in this uh, sunny uh, day, he carried his branch cutter, staple gun, and a step ladder, and then he brought with him two baskets full of red delicious apples that he just got from Woolies. And what he did, he cut off all the bad apples, and then he stapled one by one those red delicious apples that he got from the supermarket on the branches of the tree. And then he took a selfie uh, in front of the tree and then sent it to his neighbors. Look at my new apple trees. Friends, when you heard that story, what comes to your mind? Well, such a silly man, because it's clear that the tree produces bad apples year after year. So there's something wrong with the tree. Maybe there's a disease, right? That's the whole system of the tree is not right. The root, perhaps, has some disease. And he won't solve the problems by stapling apples to the tree. If you see the next slide, you'll see that depiction of um, stapling apples to the tree, the fruit stapling behaviors. What will happen to these new apples that he uh, nailed to these uh, branches? They will rot. 
They will rot because they are not attached to the life-giving roots of the tree. And what does it have to do with this, uh, th- this illustration with our spiritual growth in Jesus? Because the problem with much of our efforts to produce growth, to produce change in ourselves, it's nothing more than fruit stapling. Changes that does not reach the heart rarely last. It's only temporary. It's only cosmetics. That's the illustration from the book Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp. And I think the message is so clear. We do not bear fruits by our own efforts. Fruit comes from abiding. Fruit comes from remaining in the vine, that is in Jesus. The fruit comes from being attached, being part of the vine. But if our efforts in the Christian life is nothing more than nailing apples to a tree, then we know those behaviors is not commendable, but it's actually condemnable. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Because on the outside, they exemplified these these moral behaviors, these religious behaviors, but those behaviors do not come from the heart that is attached to Jesus. And so these behaviors are not commendable. It's actually condemnable. Well, friends, uh, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. That's what we read in John 15. We are united to Christ as branches united to a vine. So Jesus is the source of life, and he is the root, and we grow, we change, we have our spirit-filled characters if we are attached to Christ. This is what is known in the church history as a doctrine of the union with Christ, which already was hinted last week when we read in John 14, verse 20, you are in me and I am in you. So here is the big idea I want to start with in today's sermon. In the next slide, your life will either be fruitful or fruitless, depending on whether you remain in Christ and his love. Your life will either be fruitful or fruitless to the extent that you remain in Christ. But you ask, what does it mean to be fruitful? Let's be practical here. Okay, I hear you if you think like that this morning, what does it mean to be fruitful? In the next slide, being fruitful means organically showing the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit of the Spirit has nine flavors, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine different flavors. So don't, don't get... Uh, confused, being fruitful is similar to being filled with the Holy Spirit, to show the fruit of the Spirit. It's similar to being like Christ. So Christ-likeness and being fruitful, they are one of the same thing. And we are told in this passage, a good gardener, a seasoned fine dresser, will throw away the dead branches, but prune the live branches. 
He will prune the life branches, including the ones that are bearing fruit, so that they bear more fruit. So let, let, let's look at this more closely. And I want to contrast the fruitless life and the fruitful life and see where you are this morning. So let's go to the first one, the fruitless life. You look at first uh, 2 and verse uh, 6, it says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And what's going to happen with this uh, fruitless branch? Thrown away and withers, gathered into the fire and burned. See, a branch actually in and of itself is weak and useless. It cannot produce its own life. It must draw from its root to be able to bear fruits. So it's only good for either bearing or burning. It cannot be used for building materials. Only bearing fruits ought to be used as fuel for burning. If you read Ezekiel 15 in the Old Testament, verse 1 to 8, it says there that the vine branch that does not produce grapes is good only for fuel to start a fire. Now, I remember reading this passage when I was a young Christian, uh, you know, many moons ago. And when I encountered this passage, I thought, this is such a scary passage. Because I thought I, I, I could be one of those dead branches that would be gathered and then thrown away, burned. So the question is, these dead branches, do they refer to Christians? Do they refer to some of you, perhaps, sitting in this room? Are you one of those dead branches? And upon reading and, and studying this over the years, I began to learn that the dead branches do not refer to those believers in Christ Jesus, but they do refer to those who hang around at church, who mingle with Christians, but they never have their heart attached to Christ. So when I read uh, commentaries, John Stott, Bruce Milne, and Don Carson, some of the you know, household names in the world of theology, they all agree, they all say that actually what uh, or who Jesus meant in this passage was Judas Iscariot, who we saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, was a traitor, was going to sell Jesus. He was one of the dead branches. He mingled around Christians. He seems to be doing the Lord's work, but in actuality, he's never attached to Christ. A fruitless life, like Judas's life, has no organic real, vital connection with Christ. What he had was a merely a, a formal, a mechanical relationship with Christ. And that's how a lot of seemingly um, Christians um, in, 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 in our churches today, they go to church, they pay their dues to get what they think they should get from God, and they go to church not because they think that they are spiritual people, but they always want to feel superior to those who do not go to church. I'm not like one of those pagans. I go to church. I, I worship God. Yes, I, 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 I get involved in church activities. 
But there is no organic, vital, genuine, authentic connection with Christ. That's the fruitless life. So let's go to the second one, the fruitful life. You look at the uh, next slide. The fruitful life, you'll see that the verse there, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now obviously Jesus refers here to believers in him. Because you're already clean. This is the same words that he uttered when he was about to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter said, um, don't wash my, my feet, Lord. And then Jesus said, you're already clean, but you need to have those cleaning regularly. And in this, in this passage, those cleaning is pruning, right? This is the analogy for the, from the agrarian society. So if we know that being fruitful is to exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, to be like Christ, we know that this is about a supernatural character change in our lives because Jesus wants our lives to be so radically, so dramatically, so supernaturally changed that when people see you, they will say, it couldn't be your efforts to change your characters. You were easily offended before, and now you are so calm and patient and understanding. There must be something or someone who has changed you. That's what Jesus wants us to experience, is this radical change in our character. And he desires us to bear those fruits of the Spirit by doing two things. The first one is pruning, because he, he said, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So let's look at pruning uh, for a minute in the next slide. He prunes or he trims. We, we don't use the word prunes um, anymore these days, but we, if, you, if you call a gardener or if you are a, a seasoned gardener in, in your own place, you, you trim those branches every so often, right? Jesus trims every branch that does bear fruit. No fruit-bearing branch is exempt from that. In fact, the more, the more you remain in Christ, the more pruning and trimming that you will experience and the more fruit that you bear. Why does he do that? So that the quality of the fruit that we bear keeps up with the quantity. Because left to itself, the branch might produce many clusters, but they might be inferior in quality. And God is glorified by, the, by a bigger crop, but also better crop. So if you look at the uh, progression there in verse 2b, those uh, branches that bear fruit, he prunes so that they bear more fruit. And then you look at verse 5b and 5.8, if the pruning keeps happening, it will bear much fruit. So bear fruit, much fruit, or more fruit, and then much fruit. See, pruning is, in fact, if you know anything about uh, horticulture, and I know this by reading, obviously, because I'm not a, a gardener. Basically, I, I tried to um, trim my uh, tree, and then I thought I'm going to make it uh, look like an elephant. It became like a like a uh, rounded 
shaped uh, ball that doesn't look like an elephant at all. So I'm not a seasoned gardener, right? But I, I did my reading, and pruning apparently is the most important thing that a gardener can do to really stimulate growth of the tree. In fact, pruning is more important than watering or fertilizing or digging, right? So pruning is the most important uh, act. And to the untrained eye, like mine, pruning seems unnecessary because lots of the beautiful bright green leaves on the ground, they got uh, chopped off. Even clusters of grapes that were starting to emerge are ripped out just before they could actually mature. So to the ignorant eye, that's like a total waste. There seems to be an apparent randomness in the cutting. But to the trained eye, to a seasoned fine dresser, to the skillful eye, they know that there wasn't a single random stroke. Every stroke against the vine was there to actually protect the vine and to grow the vine. There is no wasted stroke. Every cut is necessary to bear more fruits. See, friends, many Christians pray that God will make them more fruitful, and I hope you do have that prayer in your life. Lord, make me more fruitful. Make me more useful, bearing more fruits. And yet, we do not enjoy the pruning process that would follow. Because if you pray that prayer to be more fruitful in your life, be sure that God will start pruning you. God the gardener cuts off the living tissue that is robbing you of your spiritual figure and stamina. He cuts away not only the bad, but also the good and the better so that we might enjoy the best. So if the branches can speak, they would confess that the pruning process is so hurtful, but they would also rejoice that they are now able to produce more and better fruit. See, this is actually a principle that you see in other fields, not just in the field of gardening or growing um, um, grapes. If you give gold ore to a refiner, what does he do? He will put this gold ore through the furnace so that the gold ore is completely melted and then reshaped. If you give an athlete to a coach, what does the coach do? The coach will stretch the athlete to a breaking point so that he can be better. He would say, another round, another um, lap. And he keeps doing that until the athlete feels like, I'm not going to be able to keep this up. What does a parent do to a child? Well, the parent will continually discipline the child, despite the protest of the child. And when the child uh, lies, he or she will be grounded because the parent knows if, if there is no discipline, this child will live a miserable life throughout um, their lives. And what does the child say? The child say, you are so cruel, mom or dad. This is the end of my life if I am grounded because I cannot go out with these particular friends at this particular time and I want you to know that my future self is ruined 
thanks to you. And I will hold you personally responsible for grounding me and, and ruin my, not only social life, but my future life. That's what the child will say. And the parent will say, well, child, you, you don't understand. You will never understand now, but 50 years from now, you will thank me of what I'm doing to you now. And then the child goes to his room or her room and then slam the door, right? See, this conscious measured control action to discipline or to stretch or to burn or to cut or to prune, it's not random. It's done for the purpose of growth. So the father as the fine dresser cut the branches because he loves us so that each branch will be even more fruitful, but the procedure indeed is painful. But you see, a child does not and will not understand why the parent is so cruel, ruining his social life. The child simply doesn't have the long perspective that the parent uh, has, mother or father. That's often how Christians feel in the hands of the father. So Jesus is telling us that you, if you are really a Christian, if you are living a fruitful life, God the Father will prune you. So I want you to look at your life right now. And perhaps some of you are currently bleeding, not only in one place, but maybe in more than one place. And you complain to God, Lord, why do you let this happen to me? Are you sleeping at the wheel? Can't you stop all this to occur in my life? I'm in pain. But friends, let's, let's think about the other alternative. The greatest judgment that God could bring to a believer is by doing nothing, is by letting you live your life on your own. There's no discipline. There's no intervention. But because he loves us, he prunes us so that we can bear more fruit for his glory. And sometimes God can use his word to convict us, to clean us, like what he's doing at this very moment. When you hear this sermon, it is plausible that God is speaking to you personally and cleaning you, convicts you through the word of God being preached. But sometimes, and oftentimes, he uses a stronger measure. He used disciplines to remove something precious from us. That includes pain, sorrow, sickness, disappointment, frustrated ambitions. Because you keep holding to that thing in your life, your career, your love for money, and you say, my precious, but God takes that away from your hands. So here is the summary statement uh, so far in the next slide. When God prunes your life, this is what he wants. He wants you to give him what you cannot keep so that you can gain what you cannot lose. And you cannot lose the love and the joy and the peace and the kindness that God gives you in your heart. You never lose that because your character that is spirit-filled, that, that is something that will stay with you forever and become a much bigger blessing to a lot of people. But the amount of wealth that you have, 
the health that you have, that can be taken away by COVID, by financial disaster of all sorts in this world. So when God prunes you, when God removes something that is precious to you, He wants you to give Him what you cannot keep so that you can gain what you cannot lose. The second thing that uh, Jesus said we should do, and I have to do this quickly, is abiding, right? Abiding in the next slide. Abide in me and I in you. So not only he prunes, but he tells us to remain in him or abide in him. And this is such an important word. 11 times has it been used in these 11 verses. Abiding in Christ really simply means to allow his words to fill our minds, to direct our wills, to transform our affections. That our relationship with Christ is connected so strongly when we read the Bible. See, friends, when you want to know what is it, the will, the will of God that I need to understand. Well, the only place you know the will of God is the Bible. Read your Bible. That's how you remain in Him. You pray to Him. You treat Him like best buddy that you have, right? And you talk to Him every day. That's how you abide in Him. And only as you remain in union with Him and derive your life from Him, then you can produce the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ. See, friends, when, when Jesus used the word abide, that is the word that has this um, very strong connotation, stronger than a bond of friendship. So if you have a good friend, right, and you have a, a good bond, a strong bond between you and your friend, the bond is not as strong as this remaining that Jesus wants us. He in me and I in him. The bond is even stronger than the bond between a parent and their child. You know, father and son or father and daughter. The bond is even stronger than a bond that you find between a husband and a wife. See, there is no relationship in this world that is... Uh, as strong as the relationship between a husband and a wife because the two becomes one, right? That's what the Bible said. But you know, this is even stronger than that because the, 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 the original word actually means interpenetration. Now, if you're a married couple, right, you have uh, sexual intimacy, and this is even stronger than that. Why? Because even if you have that uh, sexual intimacy as, as a husband and, and a wife, you don't do that 24-7, seven days a week. And thankfully, we don't do that, right? But this is that continuous relationship that is so strong between Christ and us that he wants us to remaining in him 24-7, seven days a week. Now, in the words of the Apostle Peter, when we read the words of encouragement today, there, there was a phrase there that is quite fascinating. He wants us to be partakers of the divine nature, which means through the Spirit of God, 
Jesus is now within us. We partake, we participate in that divine nature that is now within us. And that's why when you sin, you actually drag Jesus to sin with you. Do you know that? If you lie to someone, knowingly, consciously, deliberately, you actually drag Jesus, who's now residing in your heart, to commit that sin with you. And that's why he's upset. That's why the Spirit of God within us is upset because of what we did. And therefore, we need to confess our sins and return to him. But th that's what abiding means. See, friends, what, what's interesting, in the next slide, you will see this principle um, that I think uh, is important to understand. Fruit bearing is impossible without abiding. And yet, it is inevitable with abiding. So if a branch is attached to the vine, you will bear fruit. That is an organic relationship. You will always bear fruits, right? It's inevitable. It will happen. And yet, fruit bearing is impossible without abiding. See, that's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the, the next slide. And uh, basically, we are told here the doc doctrine of the Christian inability, right? It's different from human inability. No man can come to Christ. No one can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. That's about human inability. We cannot uh, be Christians unless the Father draws you to come to Christ. But once you become a Christian, there's also a Christian inability. No believer, no Christian can bear fruit without Christ. So I struggled with this first so much um, many years ago. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Is it really the case? Absolutely nothing, Lord, because we can and we frequently do. How many of you, you're honest to God, you go to work every day without any slight consciousness of God at all. And then the next day, and the next day, and then one week gone by, and there's no consciousness of God working in you. You don't read his, his, his word. You don't pray to him for the whole week. And guess what? You get new projects. You, know, you get your promotion. You did well. And so how do you understand this, this verse? Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's so many students, Christian students, who go to their final exams without even praying to God, and they've got the highest mark possible. And once they got this, this highest mark that uh, possible, he never thanked the Lord. So how do you account for that? Because this verse said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, the answer is simple. Yes, you may be successful, but you may become a cynical or an arrogant person because of your success. Or you become so anxious because can I keep this up? Can I keep having this level of success? See, all this anxiety, all this fear, all this guilt will eat you alive because you don't have that spirit-filled fruit, peace, joy, love, and so on. 
The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche once said, what does not kill you make you stronger. Now that statement is only half true because when you are falsely accused, someone betrays you, you might be a resilient and a tougher person because of that. What does not kill me makes me stronger, right? But at the same time, you become more bitter, more cynical, more apathetic, more calculative as a person. And then you think to yourself, because of what that friend has done to me, why should I now bend over backwards for other people if in the end I'm treated like a doormat? That's what we're gonna say. And when you say such thing, whether in your hearts or you, know, you, you actually uh, blurt it out in an angry tone towards someone, you're actually dethroning God from his throne and making yourself esteem as your God, little g. We forget that Christ, that in Christ, our self-worth has been fully acknowledged once and for all when he willingly died for us when we were indifferent and opposed to him. See, friends, we, we always feel with anxiety, with fear, with the cynicism whenever we don't stay and remain in Christ. And that's why the last, very last slide, Jesus said, I am the true vine. There are so many other gurus and philosophers and teachers who claim, I am the vine. You have to remain in me. But notice that Jesus said, I'm not only the vine, I am the true vine, the genuine, the authentic one, the only vine that you have to be attached to. So if you have lived your life fruitless because you are outside Christ, come to him this morning. But if you are a Christian for many years and you feel that I, I haven't borne any fruit. My life is almost like dry. Maybe because you haven't been remaining in Christ in word and prayer. Go to him every morning or afternoon or whatever your best time is to pray and to read his word. And be ready to be pruned for God to take something precious in your life so that he will make you a more beautiful person in his sight. Do you want to do that? Let us.